0: Amen. I appreciate that worship so much. And uh, just to be able to celebrate Christ here the first day of December is such a blessing uh, to many of us, I'm sure. Um, I want to start this morning, and uh, you guys can open up to... Uh, Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be in just a little bit. So Matthew chapter 2, if you want to turn there, um, it's going to be just a little bit before we get there. Uh, but you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, I want to open up this morning and uh, we're going to be talking about the most important part of the Christmas tree. The most important part of the Christmas tree. And so before we get to that, though, um, I do want to say it's really great to have Matt Osborne with us. And uh, Matt has been over at uh, U of M. And so great to have him home for the holiday and get to see him. And uh, just exciting what God's doing in his life over there in Ann Arbor. So keep praying for Matt and all of our college students as well. Um, But I do want to start by saying this. And you guys can answer out loud on this one. I want you guys to tell me what is your favorite part about your Christmas tree. And so think on that for just a minute. Uh, how many of you have already put your tree up? You have your tree up? You have your tree up? How many of you have had your tree up for a while? How many of you are not putting up a Christmas tree because you just are like, I don't want to deal with lugging stuff from the basement to the first floor to the basement, okay? We always uh, put our Christmas tree up, and it's always been since I was a kid. Uh, you can put it up as early as you want, not one of those, okay, that are like, it's got to be by this... No, you can put it up whenever you want. So, you know, Do whatever you want. I don't really care. But... Um, we, when I was a kid, we always put our Christmas tree up the day after Thanksgiving. It's just what we've always done. The Friday after Thanksgiving, we always put our tree up. And so with, uh, when I got married and started having kids and everything, we just kept that tradition. So we don't really put any Christmas stuff up until the day after Thanksgiving. And usually it's actually the day after Thanksgiving and then a little bit of the Saturday after Thanksgiving. You know how it goes. Um, this year, surprisingly, we got everything done that Friday. So I was praising the Lord for that. So, but the tree is up, Christmas decorations are up, and it just feels like Christmas now, you know, even though when I was doing it on Friday, the weather wasn't exactly Christmas E. I mean, it was a little chilly, but it wasn't, there wasn't snow on the ground or anything like that, which I'm okay with. But there's something about that time of year. You get all the decorations up, the lights are on, snow on the ground. It's just amazing how you can start to kind of be nostalgic and kind of remember some things. And so I just want to ask uh, maybe even not right now, but maybe when you were a kid. What was your or what is your favorite part of your Christmas tree, or just something about the Christmas tree that you just it, every year you look forward to it? It's something you like about the tree, something that you enjoy. Uh, I hope I'm asking this right. So, somebody give me an idea. Well, what's your favorite part of your Christmas tree, or having the tree up? So, Lance. Well, I have a, a tiger's tree. Okay, a tiger's tree. Okay, okay. Is that the main tree in the? Okay. So, you, okay, so the main tree isn't the tiger's tree. Okay, all right. All right, so he has a tree that's all Detroit Tigers color and theme and probably ornaments and stuff too, right? Yeah, okay, so, so he likes that about his Christmas tree because it's the tigers, and I can't hate on that. i got to love the tigers too. So, Zach. Shopping around for trees. Okay. Okay, so you guys actually go out and cut that baby down and do the whole thing. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys are real tree people? you would real, real tree couple hands, fake tree people, fake tree people, I'm a fake tree person, that's awesome, you go out in the cold and pick a tree out, I'm like, hey, look, take it out of the box, put it, <laughs> done, <laughs> beautiful, plug that baby in, it's ready to go, okay, so no, but that's cool, okay, so going out, the actual experience too, right, like going out with the family, picking out a tree and all of that, that's so cool, okay, uh, anyone else, real quick, yeah, Okay? Sitting in the front room, all the other lights are off, the lamps, just the Christmas lights are on. Sandra and I were just saying that she was just talking to someone a week ago or so, saying there's something just nice in the evening to sit in the room. It's dark, but all the Christmas lights are on. She loves that. Absolutely. For sure. Great time. Actually, that's one of our favorite things, too. I love just sitting, usually once the kids go to bed, you know, because it's quiet then, and you get a quiet time with the sitting in the lights and everything. That's really cool. So, one more. Anyone else? Yeah, and. The day it comes down. Okay. All right. So that's a little anti-Christmas love right there. No, no, not really. No, taking it down can be... Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Any, let's do one more. Yeah, back here. We always put a nativity scene tree. Okay. All right. The nativity scene with the tree. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. So we, a lot of us have things we like about the Christmas tree. We like about the Christmas decorations. But I want to ask, and you don't need to answer it a lot, but I want you to think about this. Is there the something that's most important about the Christmas tree? Is there something about the Christmas tree that's most important? So let me ask you this way, and you're thinking about this a little bit. You don't need to answer out loud, but is it, is the decorations the most important part of the tree? Is it the lights that are the most important part? Is it the, the angel or the star, whatever you put on top of your tree? Is that the most important part of the Christmas tree? And I want to suggest to you that while all those things are good and fine, there's one part of the Christmas tree that is more important than anything else that touches or is involved in the Christmas tree. And I'll show you what that is, okay? I wish we had a tree up, but the most important part of the Christmas tree is the stand, right? I mean, think about it. Tiger's tree, okay? It's all decked out, okay? Whatever tree you want, all the ornaments on, lights are on, everything looks great, man, it's beautiful. Without the stand what's going to happen to that tree? It's going down, right? You see, you can have all the stuff, all the decorations, all that's good. But without the stand, without something to hold the tree up, then it's really kind of all meaningless, right? It all kind of falls down. See, the stand is the most important part of the Christmas tree. But let me suggest it this way. You ever have somebody come into your house, okay, and your tree's up and everything's beautiful and they walk in and they're like, oh man, Man, that tree is beautiful. And then they get closer and they go, oh, I'm so, man, the stand on that tree. Now that's, man, look at that stand. That's beautiful. I've never seen a stand like that before. Man, that's gorgeous. No, nobody notices the stand. What do they notice? The lights, the decorations, the, all the tinsel, everything else. But even though this isn't what's noticed first, it's most valuable and most important. Because without this, you can have the best-looking tree in the world. But without a stand, it all falls down. I'm sure you guys probably get where I'm going with this, right? The stand is most important. And I'll just set that there because I don't want to trip over it. Okay, the stand is most important. We can have all the stuff with Christmas. We can have all the decorations, all the parties, all the celebrations, all the things about Christmas are fine and good, and we can have them and enjoy them. But here's the key— without something to hold it all up, then it's really just wasted. It's not really even worth anything. And we know, as followers of Christ, we've already saying this, who is our stand? We don't have to worry about what our stand is. We know who our stand is. Our stand is Jesus Christ. Amen? And we stand on and even in Christ. Christmas in our world today can be much like a tree with no stand. It looks good. It's appealing. You can even enjoy it to a certain extent for a time. All the surface things are good and fine. And again, people notice those things first. But without the stand, without Christ, then Christmas is really hollow and will not stand on its own. Christ, as our stand, holds us up. And without him, Christmas will fall apart. It all falls down. You can be- decorate the best tree, but without the stand, it will not last. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is, is our stand. That when it comes to the Christmas tree, the most important part is the stand because it holds everything else up. And when it comes to Christmas, and as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the coming weeks ahead and all that that entails, we have to remember who our stand is. We have to trust and know in our stand. And that is what holds us up. And that is what holds up this entire season. I want to ask ourselves to determine something this Christmas season. And I want to do it starting now because I think if we begin to change our focus and our perspective a little bit this Christmas, it will help us when we get to December 25th and how we celebrate Christ's birth. I want to ask us to determine this Christmas what are we going to focus on, the urgence or the significance? Are we focusing on the urgence or the significance? If Christ is our stand, Where will our focus be? So what becomes urgent to us at Christmas? What becomes urgent to us at Christmas? Well, what becomes urgent to us is all the stuff, right? All the stuff, all the to-dos, all the gotta get this done and gotta get this done, the parties, the dinners, the decorations, the gifts, the cleaning, and on and on and on. It all becomes so urgent to us. All these gotta get them dones. We get consumed with the urgent or what we believe is urgent things of the season, and we neglect what is significant. We get so consumed with all the urgent have tos. I got to get it done. I got to get it done. I got. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. I got all these things to do. I got laundry. I got dinners. I got to clean the house because we got so and so coming over. I got all this stuff to do, and it becomes urgent to us. But if we're not careful, we get so caught up in the urgency of these things that we miss the significance of the season. I want to stress here that everything I just listed, dinners, parties, gatherings, all of that, zero wrong with those things. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the season. It's amazing to me how we as Christians tend to be the ones that enjoy the season less than somebody doesn't even know Christ. So we can enjoy the season. Man, it's celebrate. I, I'm not saying you, you, know, you go to every single party and you just like pig out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, but you can go to every single party and spend time with other people, enjoying their company, spending time together with other individuals, family members, and friends, and just enjoy the season. There is nothing wrong with the things that I just listed. The issue comes when the things that are meant to bring us joy in the season can start to cause stress and even anxiety in our lives we make the insignificant parts of the season, and they're only insignificant compared with the true purpose of Christmas, we make the insignificant parts of the season the urgents, the have-tos, instead of realizing they're joyful get-tos. So if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll make the, the, the insignificant parts of Christmas compared to the real part of Christmas, we'll make those things the urgent have-tos, Instead of seeing them as joyful get-tos. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me on this? Are you with me so far? If we're not careful, the urgent have-tos will rob you of your joy this season. But when you look at them as joyful get-tos, I I get to go to this celebration. I get to have family and friends over. I get to spend time with these people this season. I get to go buy some gifts for my family members and friends. See, even gift-giving right? There's nothing wrong with gift giving. And I know there's a whole different perspective on this. Everything from, you shouldn't buy your kids any gifts but three, because that's how many gifts the wise men brought to Jesus, to, you should uh, spoil your kids and get them whatever they want whenever they want it for Christmas. There's, there's literally a spectrum of just different ways to do this. I am not here to tell you what to do in that regard. Because if I was a kid and I got one or three presents, I'd be like, what a sham. No, that's, do you, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's what your kids would do. I'm just saying that's how I would react, right? And I feel obligated every single Christmas to say this. You providing clothing to your children is a parental obligation, okay, not a gift. I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? You can't give your kids socks for Christmas and count that as a gift off the list, okay? If you're going to give your kid 10 gifts, socks is an extra 11th gift, okay? Let's just be real right now, okay? That's like me wrapping up a box of cereal, putting it under the tree and saying, hey, you get breakfast this morning, Merry Christmas, okay, there you go. Some of you are like, I'm going to email him because I think socks is a great gift. Okay, fine. It's whatever. I'm not, not micromanaging you here. I'm just saying. But when you think about this idea of, of gift giving, some of us, we stress about this. Man, we don't look forward to it. We despise it. We, we just don't want anything to do with it. So we either wait to the last minute and hope we can get something on Amazon, two-day prime, and, and pray, okay, please don't be out of stock. Please don't be back ordered. Or we're that crazy person in Walmart on like December 22nd trying to find something that hasn't been already bought out. Or we stress and we stress and we stress and we're like, I just don't know, I don't know. Listen, it's a get-to. It's a joyful get-to, not an urgent have-to. This is why I despise so many times jewelry commercials or commercials that give this impression that, all right, men, You better get your wife something nice or else she's gonna be mad at you. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. If you are buying a gift for a loved one because you think they're gonna be mad at you if you don't, you're buying it for the horribly wrong reason. Buy them a gift, get them a gift because you wanna give them a gift. If you're giving somebody a gift because you know they'll give you a gift back, don't give them a gift. You're just, it's the wrong heart. Man, it's the wrong mindset. Man, give a gift because you just want to see the the joy on their face and they smile and light up and you can just say, man, I'm so thankful I got to be a part of this moment. Man, we stress about this stuff. I got to get the perfect gift. No, get a gift that expresses your love for that person that you believe they would enjoy and then give it to them. Just enjoy it. It's a joyful get-to, not an urgent have-to but let me just ask you, you don't need to raise your hand, but let me just ask you, we're, we're December 1st, December 1st, okay? And if you were honest with yourself right now, you would say some of you are already to that urgency freakout level. You're already anxious. You're already at that point where you're just like, I don't know what to do for this, I don't know. You're already feeling that weight build up. Maybe for you, there's some tension in the family, Maybe for you there's some, some family members that you're going to see this season that, that maybe there's some conflict there, and so maybe that's adding to some of the tension, some of the anxiety that you're feeling about, oh, I really don't know if I want to see so-and-so at this dinner because I don't so know what's going to happen. Whatever it is, I'm going to encourage you right now, give it to the Lord. Do what you can do, and then let the Lord do what he can do. But do not allow this season, this joyful time, where we get to praise him for coming unto us. Emmanuel, God with us. There is no greater scripture in the Bible to me than when God revealed to us, this is my son and he is come to you. There is good tidings of great joy. Man, we are in a season of such joy. And if we're not careful, we'll let the culture, we'll let stress, we'll let other things, the urgency of all this stuff, rob us of our joy. And then we're just like the world, just trying to get through to January. I'm just trying to put my head down just get through. Man, I pray as a believer that you're not trying to just get through the holidays, that you are enjoying every moment. So are you there already? Do you already feel the weight of the have-to's? What are you making urgent that is not truly urgent in the season? That's only for you to decide. Maybe you would begin to just ask God, God, give me wisdom on this. Because I want to make sure we enjoy this time of year. So we know what can be urgent during this time of year. What becomes urgent to us in Christmas that should not really be an urgent have to, but a joyful get to. But the next question we have to ask is, so if that's the urgent stuff, then what is the significant part of Christmas? And again, we, we know these answers because we've been in church. We've heard the gospel message through the Christmas story. Uh, as even Kathy said, man, maybe as a kid you heard these songs growing up. But I pray that as Kathy revealed to us in her and Mike's season of loss and grief, but yet also of just God's grace being poured out in their lives. I've always loved hearing from them how God walked them through that season. Uh, Just a journey that I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say that, man, I, I believe that if God took me through something like that, I'd come out the other side trusting him. But I don't know. I've never gone through that. So I love hearing from them how God walked them through that. But maybe for you this Christmas, it's not just going to be some more Christmas songs and some more dinner. It's going to be something different this year. Because you're going to make what's significant about Christmas truly significant. You're going to make that the focal point of everything that you do. So what is significant in Christmas to us? Well, obviously, Christ is significant to us in Christmas. Matthew chapter 2, and look at verse 11. Had you go to Matthew 2 a while ago, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. Here we find the wise men coming to Jesus. And uh, many of you know or have heard that uh, the wise men did not come uh, at the birth of Christ. They were not there uh, when, when Jesus was initially born. They came sometime later. We see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says, And when they were coming to the house... They saw the young child. So this is a different scene. Uh, Some time has gone on. We don't know how much time. Uh, It's believed that Jesus could have been just under two years old. You know, so a couple of months up to just under two years old. We don't really know for sure. But but here we see it's a different setting, a different situation. But the wise men come to Jesus, and it says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. This is the key. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I know we prayed a little while ago, and I know we're kind of in the middle of the sermon, so I hope this is okay to do this a little different, but I want to pray. I want to ask God to just reveal to us, not only is Christ significant in Christmas and during this season, but I pray that we would know that Christ is significant in every area of our lives. There is no area of your life as a follower of Christ that he is not the focal point and the number one. And so maybe we would pray and ask God, God, give us wisdom in that. Would you bow with me? Father, as we're coming through the service this morning, Lord, and we've experienced so much joy already, we've already got to, to worship you and lift you up and to praise you that you came. And I know for the next couple of weeks, we're going to spend a lot of time just dwelling on the reality of Christmas and what, what your birth made available to us, not just that we could go to heaven when we die, Lord, which is part of the gospel, that when we leave this world, we will be with you forever. But even to the greater or greater extent, or maybe even to the same degree, Lord, when we, we know Christ in this life, the joy and the peace that we have is beyond understanding. That we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience what it is to be in your presence. Now, Lord, I know it's not the same. I know that when we see you face to face, we'll be like you and we'll be in awe of your presence. But Lord, I pray that we would know that this Christmas season, that because you came 2,000 years ago, that you are still here with us and that we can worship you and lift you up and, and allow you to be the focal point of our lives. So, Father, may you be significant. Christ, Lord Christ, may you be significant in this season to us and may you make it evident to us in all that we say and do. And We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is significant in Christmas to us? Well, Christ is significant. When the wise men found Christ they didn't expect any special treatment. They didn't ask anything of Jesus. They didn't ask anything of Mary and Joseph. They, all they did when they found Christ is they made Christ the focal point. Everything was about him. They fell down and worshiped him. They offered gifts to him. It was all about Jesus. And so my encouragement to us today is what can we learn from that? How can we see our own lives reflect that kind of significance on Christ? That when we go before God, that it's not only about us and what we get out of the deal, it's about making him the focal point. It's about him putting him in center stage. How can we make Christ significant this Christmas? How can you look at how you give gifts and make Christ significant in that? How can you look at how you do dinners and make Christ significant there? I've always heard it said, and you've heard it said, and maybe it's being said to the point where it's just become a a saying, that Christ is the reason for the... Okay, we see this everywhere. It's on wristbands, it's on posters, it's on billboards, it's everywhere. But I wonder so often in my own life, is that really how I live this next month? Do I really celebrate Christmas as though He's the reason for the season? Do I really give him full significance in all that I do? Every time I give a gift, do I think, God, thank you for your gift of grace, which was freely given to me, that as I give this physical gift to this other person with love, I pray it'd be a representation of the gift you've given me through your gospel, through your grace. Maybe you have people over your house for dinner, and you don't know if they're all believers or not. Maybe you have family members that aren't believers, but they're at your house, and you say, you know what? It takes a little courage, takes a little boldness, but you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pray for the food before we begin enjoying some time together. And you say a word of prayer over the food. You might think, well, that's not that big of a deal. You have no idea how God can encourage other people at your dinner through doing something as simple as that. And you might say, well, I've got some cousins that wouldn't like that, or I've got an uncle who doesn't like God, or i got an aunt. That's fine. You're not there to offend them, but you can say, you know what I'm going to go ahead and pray for the food. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If it's happening in your house, then you have the ability to do that. This is amazing ways that we can start to kind of work Christ into these things that really should be about him anyway. It really should be about him anyway. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, I can't give Jesus a gift on Christmas. I can't bring him a gift. Yes, you can. You can offer yourself to him as a gift. You can say, Lord, I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice every day. I'm going to look for a way to make you significant because you are number one in my life. Do we really mean that Christ is the reason for the season? Do we really honestly believe that? Do we believe that he alone is the most important and significant part of Christmas? Do we really emphasize that in our conversations and in our life during the next 30 days or so, 25 days? I mean, have we really made an emphasis on that? And I want to share that obviously many in our day, many in our culture, many in our everyday lives does not, do not know Christ as their Savior. And so to them, the surface things of Christmas are what's most important. They will not fully see Christ as the key and may not even emphasize Christ in this season. There are some that celebrate Christmas that don't even know Christ. There are some that will say, Merry Christmas, and they don't even know the Christ of Christmas. They're just, they're just in a tradition of a culture. And I know I dare to say it. There are those that won't even say, Merry Christmas. Can you, I mean, wow. And I, I want to stop here for a second because I know this becomes a point of contention in our culture for the next 24 days. <laughs> Every December, I see post after post after post about this. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm really not. But if somebody doesn't know Christ, they have no Jesus Christ in them. They don't know the meaning of Christmas. Maybe they are atheists. They hate God. They had everything to do with God because they're so broken and hurt and just want nothing to do with him. And so they choose to express holiday greetings differently than you would as a Christian. You say, Merry Christmas. Can I encourage you with something? Let's not get bogged down in how someone expresses and celebrates thanks this holiday season, this Christmas season to us let's instead maybe take them to the gospel. So instead of having a 45-minute argument with your coworker who doesn't say Merry Christmas, I'm not saying any of you would do this, I'm just giving a hypothetical that I'm sure happens time to time during this time of year. Instead of having that argument and trying to convince them of why they should or shouldn't say it, maybe instead we invest in that person for 45 minutes and we just share the love of Christ and how God died for them on a cross and that Jesus came for them and that if they can know Christ, their sins could be forgiven. Listen, there are those in our culture that don't celebrate Christmas at all, want nothing to do with it. So when somebody chooses to not say that to you, or if you say it and they don't say it in response, please, let's not die on that hill. Let's not go to war over that in our culture today. When people are lost without Christ and dying and going to hell, let's not maybe die on that hill. Let's maybe take them to the hill of Calvary and say, this is what Jesus came to accomplish for you. And so I just want to throw that out there. And I'm not saying anyone in here would do that. Listen, you can disagree with people. I know there's whole arguments about that. Well, I think they should because it's a, you know, a national holiday and all that. It's fine. It's fine. You can have the conversation. But let it be a conversation. Let's not let it be an argument. Because listen, if somebody doesn't know Jesus, their greatest need is not to understand why I should or shouldn't say Merry Christmas. Their greatest need is Jesus. Let's take them to Jesus of the Christmas and let him work in their hearts and worry about the rest later. And so what is significant in Christmas to us? Well, Christ is significant. More than a saying, he is the reason for the season. He is significant to us. And why is he significant? Why do we start with the gospel? Why do we always go to Christ? Because, as I've already said, Christ is the stand. You see, Christ is most significant to us in Christmas because Christ is the stand that holds Christmas up. He is the emphasis. He is the whole point. I want to go to a verse in Philippians Philippians chapter 4, and kind of share a couple more thoughts before we get ready to spend some time in prayer this morning. Because as we talk about this idea of Christ being the stand, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Philippians 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi here, and he's encouraging them. He's saying he wants to be with them. He says, my joy and crown. That's how he refers to the church. My joy and crown. He says this, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast in the Lord. Christ is the stand, not only for Christmas, but for our lives. The Apostle Paul tells the believers to stand fast in the Lord. What does that mean, to stand fast in the Lord? It means to stand firm or to keep one's standing. To stand firm or to keep one's standing. Without Christ, we would be unable to stand. We are just like that Christmas tree that can look the part, that can be all dolled up for church, can be all dressed up for church, can look good can put on a show, but without the stand, everything falls down. And in the same way the tree needs to stand, we need to stand, who is Christ, so that we may stand in him, so that we may be able to stand fast or to keep ourselves standing. Isn't it amazing that Christ holds us up? Like every day, every moment, Christ holds you up. And I know there's times in our lives where we don't feel like we're really standing. We don't feel like he's really holding us up. We feel like we're overwhelmed with all the stuff around us. Emotional stress, physical issues, all kinds of things, financial issues. We feel like, I just can't stand under the weight of this anymore. But in Christ, we are held up. In Christ, we can stand. We don't have to muster the strength in ourselves. I don't have to think, okay, I got I to get through. I got to make do. No, it's surrender and trust. Lord, I trust because you are holding me up. You are my stand. In you I stand. This encouragement to stand in the Lord was first shared with the believers in Philippi in chapter 1, verse 27. So we'll go back there real quick. Verse, chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Only let your conversation or your character your conduct Be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you should stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What Paul's doing here is he's describing what does it look like to stand fast? What does it look like to stand in Christ? It means we are focused and striving for the gospel. We are focused and striving for the gospel. He says, let your whole conduct be as becomes the gospel of Christ. So what makes my decisions? What drives the reason why I do what I do? The gospel. What drives how I spend my day? The gospel. What drives how I invest my money? The gospel. What I do with my free time? The gospel. The gospel in me is the power and the influence to lead me in all that I should do because I stand in Christ. And I can only stand in Christ because the gospel was given to us and presented to us freely as a gift. And so this month of December, with all that's going on, I pray that we would make Christ most significant by focusing on the gospel. When Pastor Greg and I were down at over at Word of Life uh, Bible Institute, for that pastor's conference back in October, there was a gentleman that spoke that did an amazing job talking about the power of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel, and that how in church or in our Christian lives, we can get focused on so many other things that we think the power of God lies in these things. That the power of God lies in the music or the power of God lies in the dress or the power of God lies in the, the do's and the don'ts and the if I do this and I don't do that. That the power of God lies in these surface things, these things that we've made significant even in church or in our own lives. But the reality is the power of God, according to Romans chapter 1, is in the gospel. The gospel is the salvation message. The gospel is the power of God so that anyone can be saved. It's not in the lights or the scenery or the stage or the praise team or whatever else we want to make it about in church today. It's about the gospel. And so here's the thing. Christmas has to be about the gospel. We talk about him coming to us and what an amazing thing that he came. But listen, he came for the gospel. And guys, listen, I know this isn't groundbreaking theological, you know, movements here. I know we're talking about things that have been talked about for thousands of years, but why do we get so focused on the other stuff? Do you realize the opportunity we have as followers of Christ for the next 24 days? And our entire culture is going to be turned and focused on Christ. And they don't even necessarily know it. They're going to be talking about Christmas parties and Christmas gathering and Christmas gifts and putting up the trees and all these things. And we have an opportunity to say, man, let me introduce you to the Christ of Christmas. Let me tell you the greatest gift that was ever given. And instead of focusing on the silly things this Christmas, let's take the world, the culture, the area we're in to the gospel. Because, listen, nothing's going to change someone like the gospel. Because you can change this all you want, but without Christ, there is no stand. We will fall every single time. Just like the tree, without it, the tree, like our life, will not be able to stand under the weight of all the things of the season, of all the things of life. We will feel weighed down by the urgence. we'll feel weighed down by the urgent in this life. And we'll miss the significance. We get burdened down with the surface things, the day-to-day routine, and we miss the significance. Let me ask you a question. I asked you a little bit ago, are you feeling the weight of the urgency of this season? Do you feel the urgency of the have-tos? I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Instead of the joyful get-tos. Let's take it a step back even more. Not just Christmas. Are you feeling weighed down by the burdens of life? Are you feeling weighed down by situations that are going on around you, by things that are happening to you, by things in your home, by things in your relationships, your workplace, whatever it is? Do you feel weighed down by those things? And are you allowing those things to burden you to the point where you're not even focused on the significant in this life? Have you allowed those things to rob you of your joy? And so the first thing is maybe this Christmas season, we would just refocus our hearts and minds and say, Lord, I'm going to give you all of my attention. It's not just a saying for me. It's not just a bracelet for me. It's a lifestyle. It's a point of emphasis. You are the reason for the season. And everything I do this Christmas is going to be about you. But then we take it a step farther and we say, no, no, my life is about you. You are not a part of my life, Lord Jesus. You are my life. I've said it before. You want a healthy marriage don't make Jesus a subpoint in your marriage list of things that are important. Communication, trust, forgiveness, Jesus. Make Jesus the center of your marriage. Make him everything in your marriage. First individually, then together. And I promise you, if both individuals begin to strive for that, the only possible outcome is a healthy marriage. Not always a happy one. Nowhere in God's word does he say you'll have a happy marriage. But if you want a Christ-like marriage, man, we've got to stop making him a sub-point or a point of contention. We'll pull him out when we want to use him against the other person. But he's got to be a living, breathing, active part of our relationships, including marriage, work, family, friends. I'm telling you, if we make Christ the significance that he is, we will see a difference in our lives. So I want to encourage you something this morning. And I, I know we're ending a little earlier than normal. But I wanted to spend just a little bit of time in prayer this morning. And I knew with the roads and everything, you know, I wanted to give everybody time and all that to get where they got to get. But, but I want to spend some time in prayer this morning. Here's what I want you to do. If you got a notebook or a Bible, you can kind of set that aside. Just kind of, I want your focus on, on the Lord right now. But I want you to do this. We're going to have an invitation in just a few minutes. But before we even get to that point, I want to ask you, Are you already allowing the urgency of the have-tos to rob you of your joy? Are are you making an emphasis, I mean, a a purposeful point, an intentional point to say, Jesus, you are what's significant this season, and I'm going to make an emphasis on making sure that's known. And not by bullying people or pushing people into saying whatever phrase I want them to say, but by merely expressing to others the truth and the power of the gospel. Because that's where life change happens. That's where transformation takes place. And I'm going to encourage you right now, if you're struggling with this, then I would say, let's individually get back to the gospel then. Get back to the simplicity of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And by doing that, maybe we'll change our whole view of Christmas this season. So again, everything we talked about this Christmas, all the dinners and the parties and everything else, every meal, every get-together, gift-buying and giving... As followers of Christ, we can have the most joy in those things because we have a relationship with the one we are celebrating this Christmas season. And so how can you, and maybe you would come to the altar and just pray and just spend some time with him this morning and just say, Lord... I want to make sure you're significant to me this Christmas. I want to make sure it's more than just a saying, but I want to make sure it's a reality of my life. And then maybe you would say, God, how would you allow me to use opportunities this Christmas season at work or in my family to to invite someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ or to at least be able to encourage them to know the truth of Christmas? Maybe it's... It's scary to do that for where you are. Maybe your family is super intimidating. And I know there's one thing you're not supposed to talk about at family dinners, politics and religion, right? You don't talk, or two things, I guess, not one thing. One of the two things you're not supposed to talk about at Christmas. There we go. Uh, Somebody over here was like, that's two things. Good looking out, Bill. Good looking out. Okay? When you think about that, I know that's hard, and it can be awkward, and it can be weird. So maybe you don't have a long, drawn-out discussion. Maybe it's an argument coming, and you just don't want to even go there. So maybe all you would do is invite them to a church service. Maybe you would just say, hey, listen, would you like to come to church with me sometime? You know, hey, we got this Christmas program coming up, and the kids have worked really hard. Would you like to come and, and see that and just be able to kind of spend some time together? Maybe you will have an opportunity to actually share the gospel with them. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to actually let someone know Hey, this is the whole point of this season. Wherever you are and whatever you can do, maybe you would take advantage of that this season. But I want you to pray individually, first and foremost, Lord, whatever I find myself doing for the next 24 days, the next part of this Christmas season, I pray that you would be the focal point. I pray that you would be the significance in all that we say and do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right there where you are and with your heads bowed and We're going to go to prayer and just invite you to come in just a moment. But as you bow your heads right there, however God is speaking to you, would you just respond to him this morning? As the praise band comes and is going to lead us in a song of invitation, I want you to just ask God, God, how would would you have me respond? Lord, how, how can I invest in every opportunity I have this Christmas season to see a difference in the lives of those around me? As you're praying there, maybe you would ask God, God, give me wisdom and direction. But I want to say this too. As you're there praying, maybe you already feel the weight of the urgency of the season. You're already fear, feeling burdened down and weighed down. Maybe you would come and pray and say, Lord God, I don't want that to happen this season. I don't, wanna, I don't want my joy to be taken from me because of these things. I, I don't want to get worked up over these things. Lord, I'm going to ask that you'd give me the ability to, to know that you are what's significant. And these other things, while important and while enjoyable, they are not the urgent have-tos. And may they be joyful get-tos. And so uh, whatever you're dealing with this morning, maybe you would come and pray and say, Lord God, would you work in these things? And I pray that you would respond this morning as, only, as, as he leads you as only he can. Father, bless now this time of invitation. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be our focal point. I pray that you would be what's significant, not just in this season that, that we have designated for this time It was Christmas, but Lord, that you would be significant every day of our lives because we'd realize that there's power in the gospel and the gospel alone. It's not in the stuff. It's not in the surface things. Although there's nothing wrong with Those things. Nothing wrong with the music and the the setting and all those things that go into church or even in our own lives, the things that we see in our own lives, Lord, with Christmas, the dinners and the parties and all that. Nothing wrong with those things, but I pray we know what's really significant is you, that when the wise men came to you, they laid at your feet their treasures. They worshiped you because they recognized that you were worthy of all worship. And so may we praise you with every gift, every get-together, every smile, every time we say Merry Christmas. May our focus be on you and you alone. Father, we love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as the praise band leads us in a song of invitation? Maybe you would come and just say, Lord, I want you to be number one this Christmas. I want you to be what's significant. Maybe you feel weighed down or burdened. Maybe you'd come and say, Lord, take that from me. I want to enjoy this season for your glory. Whatever God is doing, would you come and pray and respond to him?